Hey friends, Kevin Taylor here, noob recording sound engineer, and we had some issues with the audio for Daniel and Chelsea this week, and we had to use a backup recording thing. So all that's to say that their audio quality is not up to snuff, and my deep apologies for that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Getting character. Me, 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 me. Okay, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, here we go. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Board Game Faith. Uh, this is a uh, podcast on the intersection of uh, religion and spirituality and board games, and we're so glad to have you here. Uh, my name is Daniel. My name is Kevin. And my name is Chelsea. We are so grateful special to guest. have Chelsea as a special guest today, joining us. So and we're going to be hearing uh, a lot more about uh, Chelsea later on. But first, uh, regular listeners of this podcast will remember that we are a clap-on technology-activated podcast, which means we can't start the podcast without a good clap. And so today we're going to try to lead up to that clap by playing a little game uh, like we did last time. We're going to have this little kind of improv skit. Uh, with Chelsea and uh, Kevin and, and myself, um, we, uh, we, we've randomized a, a scenario and a game, and this, the idea is we're going to be talking about this game in the scenario, and somehow that scenario has to lead us up to the sound of a clap, which will activate the podcast. So we randomized a scenario from improvglasgow.co.uk, and uh, it gave us the... Um, the improv scenario of a roller rink. So today we're going to be starting our episode in a roller rink. And, uh, and then I, I randomized um, games from boardgamegeek.com, which is an online listing of all games ever. And it gave us uh, the, um, the game of Village uh, by popular board game maker duo Marcus and Inca Brand. And, uh, and, and, and Chelsea and Kevin, I have never played Village um, but this is, this is a, um, have either of you played it before? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. So this is a, um, this is a, a synopsis of, uh, village from a board game geek village is a game full of tactical challenges. A smart and unique new action mechanism is responsible for keeping turns short and yet still tactically rich and tactically. full of difficult decisions. I know. Also, unique is the way this game deals with the delicate subject of death. Death, death, death As a natural death, and perpetual death. part of life in the village, thoughts of death will keep you focused on smart time management. <laughs> so that's the scenario. What time is it? Death time. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so, like this game, its whole mechanism is existential dread. <laughs> existential dread I, I gotta lay down and get in fetal position to play this game. Hurry up. Take your turn. You only have so much time. <laughs> Just take your microphone with you. Alright, so here we are. Um, Alright, so we're in a roller rink and we're talking about the game Village and it leads us up to the clap that begins the episode. Are we good to go? Yes. Alright, yes. here we go. Here we go. Oh man, this slushy is so good. <laughs> hey man, you are really uh, r- r- uh, 
ripping up the court out there. <laughs> Under, under. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin and Daniel. I'm just swinging by the snack bar for a slushy. Uh, I don't really see you guys at the roller rink very often. <laughs> well, <laughs> that last hey, time Chelsea. we played that board game. Hey, Chelsea. We were hey, so guys. tired. We stayed up so late. Remember playing that? Why did you play was that board game? games at the roller rink? It was... Um, I think it was Village, wasn't it? Wasn't it Village by Inca and Marcus Brand? I, I oh, pardon me, I'm, I'm still getting oh. my legs on this. On these, um, I, you may have noticed I'm using Slow down, Louise. <laughs> Louise is a. I think, is, I think I it was when we were here for Sam's birthday party. Remember, we got free refreshments, some oh, cupcakes, right. and some that's Pepsi. Right. Yeah, 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 the was, yeah rink good time. cupcakes are the best. They really I actually are. come to the roller rink for the cupcakes. I yeah. was upset because I didn't get a chocolate chocolate. I had to get a chocolate vanilla. And it kind of ruined, ruined my time. I mean, I just kept thinking, I've only got so much time on this earth. I want a chocolate chocolate. <laughs> Who can blame you? Yeah. Did you, Chelsea, where, where, in, in the game, what was, weren't you the executioner? The village executioner? That was That yeah. was really funny. You played that up really well. Thank you so much. And, you know, like, it's a delicate balance because both, right... Like you have the power of just, you know, calling it, calling someone's time, but also your time is coming too. And so I'm really grateful. It's a very challenging role to play. You know, you did, you did play it well and it was a good, it was a good game, I think, to play here in the roller rink where we are right now. Um, because, you know, it's all about death and life and the circle of life and death. And much like the little tiny circles on the bottom of our skates. In the circle, we're constantly moving in around the dance floor. In this rink. Yeah, the, the dance floor. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought it was amazing that, like, at the concluding role of the game, right, where just... Right. Everyone dies at the Everyone end. Everyone dies. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where we're going in this game. Yeah. That yeah. like right at that moment was when the disco skate <laughs> happened. And so there was that additional right yeah. spherical <laughs> moment of light and joy. Yeah. And I, I didn't think the game. Oh, go, sorry, Daniel. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just agreeing. I've heard that from others, too, that often in the last moments of life, it's like a giant disco ball descending yeah. to heaven and the sparkles, the sparkles. Go but to the, the sparkles. plot line of, the, of that scenario in the game, it was that something was wrong with the village bell. Mm-hmm. Like everyone yeah. was bothered. Yeah. It was the yeah. feast day yeah. of St. Johnny Trattoria, the Virgin. Right. <laughs> yes. And so in the village. <laughs> And they had the feast day, but the church bell wasn't ringing and everyone was so upset and we had to solve the mystery of the church bell. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did we, it was missing something. What was it missing? Yeah. It was the, um, what's, what's the name of that thing? The name of that thing inside of the bell, the rope, the The rope. Well, no, no, no. It's the thing that hits, that hits the side of the bell that makes the, the majestic gong sound. Mm, Yeah. 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 It's not a mallet. No, no. Is it the hitter? No, it's the mallet. No, it's not the mallet. Is there a mouse? mouse? It was the Middle Ages. So they probably just had a mouse they killed every time. That sounds medieval. (laughs) That's right. In the game, we had to designate someone 
who would function as that <laughs> device. Okay, and he right. had to hang them within the belt. Yeah, Daniel, I you were so... I thought I was going dark and <laughs> you were so valiant. really dark. Oh, thank you. You know, I have to admit, I don't remember like two days after that. because I was Well, I think we had to roll so some dazed. dice to determine who had the hardest um, head, like hit, yeah. head hit points for uh-huh. our heads I, I, yeah yeah and cranium you, crash or something yeah, yeah rolled a natural 21 <laughs> and you just knocked it i was i was i was not so excited to get the the critical critical points that day but i was happy to do it for the because you all were gaming buds and i love you so i was happy to do that but we but so what role did i play in the bell it was called oh i think it was called the Bunker. clapper Clapper! Ah! One, two, three. I was going to try to, I was wondering if I could trigger Chelsea's, uh, Clapper, but I guess the headphones. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh. unfortunately. Anyway, so yes, Chelsea. What our listeners at home don't may not realize is that we're doing this by video, and Chelsea actually has clap-on controlled lights behind you in that room, right? You, you yeah, have I'm a gonna, clapper. I'm going to try it right now, um, and you guys can provide we some re- audio. We need a vlog. Uh, let's see if it works. Yep. Oh, it did work. It worked. <laughs> and what's crazy is that's 18 years old. Like, there is no technology that lasts 18 years. That's amazing. Yeah. It's high quality product. Uh, the, the clapper is made to last. It's made Good to last. Uh-huh. Yes. And let's just say it again. If anyone from the Clapper Technolo- Technology Corporation is listening, we will gladly be. Any show you want, we will adopt. Yeah. We'll, yes, you, you, we welcome you as a sponsor. Yeah, and now you've got a real customer testimony, you know, and witness witness on a podcast (laughs) that you've seen on the podcast that this turns on and off. The glories of it. Well, speaking of welcome, Chelsea, welcome. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Um, You know, long-time visitor, first-time listener, so just really excited to be here. (laughs) No, I'm a big fan of the work that you guys are doing, so grateful to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, uh, For Chelsea um, is is a... uh, a, 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 a joy to uh, uh, to welcome to 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 the podcast. Um, Chelsea, um, you and I have have known each other for uh for a while and um and and i, I can just attest that chelsea is just one of the coolest and most authentic and decent human beings a person will ever have the privilege of meeting so um so it's just awesome to have you here chelsea is uh not only a board gamer uh but uh, an author a nonviolent spiritual educator just uh, an all-around awesome human being um and so, yeah, Chelsea, would you mind just letting us know a little bit about yourself, um, how you spend your days? Just what would you like our, our listeners to, to know about you? 
Yeah, thank you so much. I am um, thrilled to be with you all. Your conversations so far on the podcast have been just so generative for my own thinking about um, spirituality and board games. So excited to just add a little drop to the conversation you guys are cultivating. Um, Yeah, so I'm Chelsea Hillier. I live in um, central Missouri. Uh, I am um, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church and um, work now outside the church, as you mentioned, uh, doing creative writing, uh, as well as what I call nonviolent spiritual formation. So it's sort of um, like a spiritual director for one-on-one Yeah, folks. say more about that. And then I do, Why, what makes it nonviolent? Because yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, so I um, received some of my formation with the Center for Courage and Renewal, which if you're familiar at all with Parker Palmer's work, Mm -hmm. um, he was the founder of that work and I got to study under him and really find that it's um, girded in nonviolent principles, which, you know, take seriously the fact that we live in a violent world. Nonviolence isn't about, um, you know, pretending that there is not violence or that we don't do violence or sometimes want to do violence. Um, But what it does is really you know, holds that tension between a violent world and the, and the desire, I think, in all of us to find new ways. And so when I talk about nonviolent spiritual formation, one of the pieces with that is that it's a, it's a collaborative formation process that really tries to take into account the gifts, capabilities, and even, um, you know, experiences of harm that people or particular groups come to any formation experience with, Um, you know, not to say, hey, here's this other right way, but that actually from the experiences of our own lives, uh, we can learn how to do better in community. Um, So, yeah, I think that's how I'd I'd talk about it. I'd be happy to answer some more questions. Um, I'm a board gamer uh, by... um, by virtue of my spouse, Jordan. And um, Jordan is very envious that he is not on this podcast right now. And it's the first time like having a master's of divinity has ever like outweighed a uh, law degree. And I'm just really (laughs) thrilled by that, that this context exists. Maybe Jordan can be our legal counsel. Oh, he would be fantastic. Um, (laughs) He's gotten a shout out before on the show, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so he um, goes into a hearing and and demands that everyone roll dice to see who gets the objection. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's, he's such an attorney that he's always got to be the person who like teaches the rules of the game. Like he's just that, like he loves law because he loves understanding the rules and intricacies and how you can work within them. So mm. like, yes, he's even lawyering during the games, which is hilarious <laughs> and wonderful. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so grateful to Jordan for getting me into this. And um, Daniel, you know, was one of our first, if you want to call it a board game evangelist for sort of heavier board games, um, you know, really really learned a lot from from being in board game community with him so um so yeah that's how i spend some of my time i have a a nine and a half year old daughter because the half makes a difference at this age absolutely um, who we love to play with and she's precocious and wonderful and a joy um yeah and i'm a big um lover of the outdoors as well so um guys don't game all the time go outside too it's a good thing yeah 
that's good good yeah and and chelsea also writes um beautifully about the outdoors and about everything else too and if if uh, encourage our listeners at the end we want to find out hear more about how folks can connect with you chelsea but if i just encourage if anybody has a chance to to read anything that chelsea writes you will not regret that decision that that you will be blessed by her her uh, insightful and and authentic wordsmithing she's uh, chelsea's great so anyway um thank you chelsea thank you yeah. thank you um and and kevin how are you what's going on in your life yeah we're pretty good i'm pretty good yeah we had a little covid yeah. in the household yeah. a few people got it a few people didn't um so mm-hmm. it just is like what a weird disease right but yeah we're fine we're yeah fine. yeah you all are doing okay now we are, everyone's we are. so we're in healthy summer camp okay. mode with children so okay 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 one's going here and one's Good going guts. there you're not you're not empty nest at the moment though like you still have one child at the house or or at least or, two at the house all, one is at an away camp okay, okay. but then then another one's going to a different away camp this week so it's a bit of a sort of switcheroo Okay. Yeah, away okay. camp is like a whole other level of I know. like summer campness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what's it like? I've never I don't know. Like tell me I what don't the future know. is like. Yeah, well, okay. this is the first time. You're right. Like we've not done this before, so. Ooh. <laughs> uh, uh, How about you, Daniel? Yeah. I know you've got some exciting yeah. things going. Yeah, we're doing we're doing we're doing okay. Thanks. Yeah, um, our, uh, our our son actually is doing a internship overseas at the moment. So that's that's um, that's kind of it's an added layer of parental worry that we're, we haven't been used to. But but uh, he's doing really great, and he's more responsible than I am, um, and um, just is doing great. And and our daughter is getting ready for college. And so there's that transition coming up, but she's doing, she's doing great as well. And so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're changes, but, but, um, but, um, but the, the, the young in our family who are actually going through the changes are, I think, handling it better than at least their dad, their, 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 their mom has a, is handling it pretty it's it's tough on both of us and Kristen and me but but we're we're doing okay thank you yeah and we're really proud of them and they're doing great so thank you thank you yeah i mean it's, is it like an expansion to a favorite game like oh suddenly there's these new rules and new cards like <laughs> that you've got to integrate into your relationships I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's true. It's like, it's like, um, that's right. It's, it's like, this is, um, the family 2.0 now. Yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's gotten the, uh, the, um, the empty nest expansion right now. That we've, I guess we've some adopted. of it is legacy time. <laughs> it's like a wingspan empty nest. It'd be like a village met wingspan. It's the latest wingspan. That's right. Oceana empty nest. But it's got That's a legacy right. element because at one point you had the uh, diaper bag card, but then you got to tear it up at a certain point. And it's like, and that, I will tell you, that yes. was the greatest day of your life. Diaper yeah, bag is just. That is true. But is you true. save the blowout card and you hope you get to like, <laughs> right, give it, give it to another one of your game community. Like, are you going to take my blowout card? I will never like, use it. Come out a diaper card. blowout. 
<laughs> I'm totally yeah. like, and that, yeah, that someday our children may, may do yeah. that for us. You had the one that goes up their back. It's like, how? How oh. are you that, like, oh. how? What is, how does physics exactly. work like that? What kind of engine do you <laughs> have down here that you can go up the back? Yes. <laughs> Oh, the horror. Exactly. Uh, mm, mm. Well, speaking of members of our family of different ages, um, how we... Um, uh, this is a masterful transition, by the thank way. You. I appreciate, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate your... your Auspicious. Your, 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 cheer, your cheer, cheering you on there. Speaking of different ages, uh, there are different ages of folks who can approach games. And uh, one question sometimes is, how can one make a game accessible to all ages? How is was, was that, how is that segue? Was that was that really okay? Great. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're too, you're so too it, it sounds like accessibility is really something you're honing in on here, Daniel. Is that I, right? I think I think so. I think so. Why don't we Why don't we Why don't we spend some time talking about that? If If that's okay. With you, Kevin and Chelsea, we'll, we'll, this, we'll, we're going to we'll, let's talk accessibility and games. The the theme for the episode today. How how I'd be interested. How, how would you all define accessibility as it relates to games? Yeah, I think that's a it's a great question. Um, and you know, we can. We can really hone in on um, accessibility as it's defined um, in a lot of ways. So accessibility to services or healthcare or pieces like that. And we know that there are a lot of inequities in our communities, um, you know. And so one of the ways that I like to think about accessibility in terms of games is is kind of two-handed or kind of two two pronged, I guess. Um, you know, one is how how accessible is the actual gameplay? You know, to mm-hmm. a people of um, a variety of um, you know backgrounds, capabilities, um, you know, energy levels, ages. Um, so there's there's the actual game itself, but then I think there's the accessibility of the community in which the game is played. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's really, that crackles with a lot of life for me, just as a person who's really working in how do we create uh, life-giving communities where we can, we can show up as our authentic selves. So those are, those are the two ways I'm really generally thinking about accessibility while also recognizing, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I can't speak um, more broadly in some ways than my own experience or experience that's been shared with me by others, which may or may not be mine to, to hold. So, mm-hmm. you know, as a, you know, white person who is middle class, you know, my, my take on accessibility is going to be different than someone who may have a different socioeconomic um, breakdown. So what I'm excited about in this conversation is, um, you know, it's a starting point, not an end point. Um, and just, I'm really excited to hear what your listeners do with the conversation too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 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 I like that idea of, of the community and where, as you said, the accessibility of the community. And part of that's just knowing your audience. So it, if it's a bunch of people that want to do heavy gaming, that's great. If it's people that aren't into that, you, you cannot drop that sort of game into a situation and make it fun. Right. So kind of reading the room, know the audience, tuning things um, to what people are 
what's going to float their boat and what's going to um, give that moment of magic, right? And and sometimes people, they're looking for that magical moment, but they don't know their audience. So they push them into something that's, that's um, just going to leave someone frustrated, confused. One thing I've been thinking about is the role of luck in games mm. because hmm. sometimes that's poo-pooed for board gamers because they like the Euro type games. They like the strategy, but luck is so great because it means that even someone who doesn't have the best situation, if they just get lucky and roll the dice, they won the battle. So luck has this way of evening out the pros. And so chess is Mm -hmm. like no Mm -hmm. luck. It's all zero sum. It's all strategy. And what makes risk or um, even monopoly or something kind of fun is you roll dice. And so you can still get lucky, which in a way is a very welcoming thing to do. And if you don't do it especially well in the game, it also helps you to, it can maybe kind of mitigate some of those feelings of, oh, I really, I really messed mm-hmm. up. You know, like it's, it's not your fault if you don't Correct. do it well in the game either because you just had an unlucky, unlucky roll, roll of the dice or something like that. Yeah. 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 I think it gets at another aspect of accessibility that, I think comes to play in games, which is, is accessibility about being able to join the game and enjoy the game, or is it about winning the game? And I think so Mm -hmm. oftentimes our conversations around accessibility are really um, incorporating, you know, for lack of a a better way of thinking about it, the sort of this capitalist idea of like victory, um, you Mm -hmm. know, and that that kind of gets overlaid in games in some way to be like, the top person to be the biggest points, the biggest pile of money, the biggest pile of property. Um, and so to really think about accessibility in games is I, I've really shifted as I've started playing board games is like I grew up playing games like um, Pitch and um, Gin Rummy, um, a lot of card games that were like you win or you lose. Um, And that was taken really seriously um, in the context that I was playing. But in board games, it became more and more about, did everyone have fun while playing this game? Did everyone feel satisfied with their gameplay? Did you feel Mm -hmm. like you got to um, play in your strategy the best way that you did? And so, you know, access then becomes, was everyone able to just have a good time like how many arenas are there where that's just the sole purpose, where there's yeah. no agenda of achievement mm-hmm. or um, hierarchy? Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's something I really appreciate. Do you think? Do you think we can have a game without achievement? Is that possible? Like, do you think you could remove that? Because I'm not so sure. Kevin, I don't think you ever fully kill the ego. Yeah, yeah. So no. But, but I think there there is a healthy bit of getting better at the game, right? So there is an element yes. of achievement like I got better. And so there is yeah. that. And also being happy that someone really did play a great game. But yeah. it does suck to lose every time, especially when the person it, is 11 years old and you're like, I brought you into this world. How dare yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going from the opposite way. Um, yeah, that's really true. There, there is an ego element for sure. Um, in in win lose games, yes. Um, that that yeah is just it's really tricky. And I think until you sort of get to, the, I think there's almost a 
like spiritual development piece Mm -hmm. where, where you're, um, you get to a point where it's less important for you to be right and others to be wrong and where you are looking more for belonging or to be a, a contributing part of a community um, that I think board games can be a great playground for. So like when you were talking about playing with your kids and like accessibility with kids, like that's one thing we did with our daughter is we just made games that could have been win-lose. We just took out the win-lose element, right? Because kids really hate losing. And, um, you know, maybe she wouldn't push her skill to get better at a game if it was about winning or losing. But if it's just about being present in the game, she would really come into that in different ways. Um, you know, one of the, one of the ways this has shifted for me is, um, I have been diagnosed as, uh, ADHD inattentive type, and that's, Mm. um, not uncommon. Um, I'm finding more and more people who are receiving that diagnosis a little later in life. What what does that mean? You'll Um, have to unpack that a little. Yeah. So, um, ADHD is a, um, neurological issue where my brain doesn't produce enough dopamine. And so I'm constantly dopamine seeking. Inattentive type um, means I probably turn that inward a little bit more. But what that looks like on the outside is um, my executive function is really impacted by that. So orders of operation, um, short-term memory, um, you know, short-term strategy is really impacted. Um, And so board games can be really hard in that way because I don't, I don't have that neurological makeup. And it was actually, I heard, um, Jordan, my spouse is actually listening to, um, Jeff Engelstein's, Mm -hmm. um, segment game tech on dice tower, where he was Mm -hmm. talking about how during pandemic, um, when gamers went from playing in person to playing on a computer and the computer did a lot of the calculations, you know, kind of gave you signs of what, um, what options were available in a game and took away a lot of those decision elements. Different people started winning the game. Weird. So like, hmm. the yeah, it's a great, um, it's a really great segment. I really recommend it. Um, Jeff also has a podcast called Ludology and a book called Game Tech that's really in sort of the psychology and theory behind games. Mm. Um, but that really got me thinking because I thought I had had this issue before, but that was one of the signals. I play games all the time. And yeah, this is extremely hard for me. And I just kind of had to give up on the idea of sort of winning anything to just try to make it through the game, having like actually finished the game. But mm. I had to really rely on community to help me figure out how to play the game. Like I couldn't, especially engine building games are really challenging. Um, Worker placements can be really challenging just because of so many moving components. I literally can't keep the rules inside my head. So um, clear iconography really can help with that. So um, for example, terraforming Mars is, I can do that game because the iconography and engine is so clear. but that really contributed to me seeking more, more fully that diagnosis. Um, but it's been interesting because of that way that I had to approach the games. I had to change from, could I win this game to, can I just play this game and find a way to enjoy it and have it not feel really overwhelming or like I can't keep up or all of these pieces. Um, hmm that really have actually helped me 
understand how to engage my neurodiversity in the world too. Like what type of community do I seek um, mm. based on what I experienced as a positive experience in gameplay? What, what kind of accountability and pieces do I avoid because of that? Um, so that's been a really um, interesting accessibility piece in my own life. Hmm. Have you, have you tried thinking about Jeff Engelstein's uh, segment there? I mean, have you tried um, some online gaming, Chelsea, and kind of, and, and found that your experience kind of resonates with what he's talking about there? That is a different kind of experience for you in that way or, or not? Or, you know, I haven't. Or, what it really has done for me is since I got my diagnosis, I just, I rely on my strengths more and then I rely yeah. on community for the things that I'm not. Yeah, so it really yeah. sets my intention differently for a game. So I'm like, okay. If Jordan's teaching the rules to a game and I'm like, I can't, like, I can't absorb this, you know, I've got to learn by doing, um, then I just say, I'm going to rely on the community to be able to teach me. Cause I know one of my regular game groups are Sam and Sam and Becky and Jordan and I formed a pod to play games through pandemic. And that right. Just saved us. Um, I know Sam is, is going to help me with the strategy because it's important for him that everyone be able to enjoy the game, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And be able to play to their fullest. And so that's just a part of how he plays, right? You know, Becky's going to teach me how to, uh, you know, take some risks with strategy because she's really great at risk-taking in her strategy. Um, You know, Jordan's going to be really generous in repeating the rules to me 10 times. So when they help you, are you you asking for recommendations? How does that, what does that look like specifically? Yeah. So we just played Glenmore for the first time last night together as a group. Yeah. And a first time through a gameplay is always a pretty challenging for, I mean, I think it's challenging for anyone, but it's pretty challenging yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's the same arena, like a lot of the pieces, like, so there it's referential. And so I can refer to things, but I can't fully refer. Right. So you can kind of use that, um, deeper memory, but not a lot of it. And so like, right. I got to my last turn last night and was like, you know, I'm trying to maximize cause it's a game of like trying to maximize your engine at the end, you know, and Sam just walked me through like, cause his brain gets this type of game. He's just like, here's what these three tiles would do for you. And he's like, I think you should do this one because like, then you get to activate this, 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 this card, this card, this card. And he said, that would just be a lot of fun. Right. So Mm -hmm. he's getting enjoyment from helping me with that strategy. And then it also just looks like me every time we move through a card, having to ask, what does this card do? Cause you've told me once, but like, I don't know. And I still don't know the iconography from this game. What does this mean? Um, You know, and then relying on the capacity of, of the group to sort of be in the game and then sort of move to this like personal level too. So you could be playing a game and none of the other conversation around the game be anything but the game. Mm -hmm. I really find a community where we can kind of move between levels is really helpful because um, right. Like I'm, I'm, I like, using my sense of humor, I feel like I'm contributing something then, right? So have feeling like I'm contributing 
to the atmosphere of the game, even though my gameplay isn't great and I'm a little slow and, you know, I take a long turn, but being able to like surface and tell a joke or surface and listen to a story <laughs> about someone's life Gosh, that's makes me feel like I've contributed to that atmosphere mm -hmm. in a way that makes that gameplay so much more fun. So I had a great experience with that game. I don't know if it was because like the game itself is like the best ever, but I think there's something about the community. I think it circles back to what you're saying at the beginning too, that, you know, what's, what's the point of a game, you know, is, you know, is it ultimately to, you know, to, to win it or is it some of this other stuff that happens around the table and, you know, why do we do it? I, I shared, I know I shared a quote on a previous episode, I think when you and I were talking Kevin about, and I always get it wrong. I have to look it up all these times, but from Reiner Knizia, a famous board game designer, who said something to the effect of, you know, the the point of a game is to win the game, but winning isn't the point. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like if, for a game to work, we have to try to win it, but that's ultimately not the, not what it's about, sort of, to, you know. Um, I, I, I love, uh, Chelsea, I think I heard you saying something about, you know, this question of what will allow people to participate to their fullest extent in a game, you know, and, and I, I like that as a, as a maybe kind of a working definition for accessibility, you know, maybe in terms of maybe game design too, you know, for designers to think what would allow people to participate to their, you know, their fullest ability in this game. Um, it, it um, you know, it reminds me of, um, you know, when, when we, when we would, um, um, I was involved in some, some some church renovation many years ago. You know, we were talking about you know it's important to it's important to, to design this um, the, the space um, you know to with in mind that you know for people who in, in wheelchairs when they you know when they're coming through and, and you know what would allow this space to be designed to allow everyone to participate fully as as fully as possible in the worship experience and, and games that way too you know what what can allow people to participate most fully in this experience um yeah and it's interesting to me because it it can um sometimes i guess i have an escapist element you know i've always loved sci-fi right so sometimes the craziest yeah. things lets everyone participate like hey guys we are all cultists right <laughs> and it's so yes. out there that everyone's sort of safe to know like this isn't real um, other things are going to cut a little close to home if it's say cowboys and Indians type thing and you're, and everybody depicted on there is right. Um, and, and that's a tough thing to play out because, and I guess that's why board games, they pick space or they pick things that are safe and that can be fun. Like going to other worlds. Cause then you're playing aliens or maybe you're just playing cubes or maybe you're farmers, um, which is neat, but I do sort of miss the whole, I'm a dwarf. I'm a dwarf king, right? Like that kind of sort of Lord of the Rings type element kind of gives you a way to cosplay spiritually. I don't know how to put it, but it lets you work out these elements of your psyche in a, in a fun way. And then, of course, the game ends and you go back to real life. It's sort of a pur pur purgation type thing. Well, you mentioned, you know, kind of role play spiritually. I like that. I mean, how how is this a spiritual issue? What? Why are we talking about accessibility in games on this podcast about 
religion and games or spirituality and games? What what makes this a spiritual issue? Well, you know, to go back to your example, Kevin, if I'm so distracted and uncomfortable about, you know, the way cowboys and Indians are depicted and I'm sort of hearkening back to, um, you know, I'm uncomfortable with that as a as a white person who's educated about the Mm -hmm. the ways that Native Americans, indigenous peoples to the U.S. were, um, you know, robbed and (laughs) annihilated um, yeah annihilated um you know i it strikes me that my discomfort at at the lack of um you know awareness in that game makes it impossible for me to engage Mm -hmm. in it and and perhaps as you know the notion of protest is probably not a bad one here Mm -hmm. where um like you know a part of a part of you know, choosing arenas where we can show up fully is sometimes protesting those places that either make me uncomfortable or in solidarity mm-hmm. might make others uncomfortable. Um, you know, so I think I think the question of access is a spiritual question. I, I can't think of a spiritual tradition that's not engaged in some way in human injustice or suffering mm-hmm. that doesn't mm-hmm. handle those questions. Um and so, and that seeks some equity of that mm-hmm, and even mm-hmm. articulates that the holy or the divine um, are most interested in us having access um, not only to, um, to the divine, but also to like resources that help us to be healthy and whole. Um, so, you know, accessibility, I think, is, is one of the central questions of most spiritualities, um, in in terms of um, story or um, mythos or dogma, even if um, in some arenas, um, you know, dealing with accessibility isn't a part of one's daily spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's tr- the tricky part about talking about spirituality. Um, you know, what, what does that actually right. mean? Um, you, you make me think of, um, and I, I don't know a whole lot about spirituality, you know, formally, but I know in the Middle Ages, there was that debate of Mary versus Martha, the contemplative versus the active life. And maybe in a way, board games let you explore different roles and sort of in a recognition that we do need the elf and we need the cleric and we need the, if you're in a sort of a D&D, you need all the roles to work together and you need Mary and Martha and it's okay to be Mary and it's okay to be Martha. Even though in the Middle Ages, they kind of wanted to say, um, it was better to be, they always said contemplative was better, I think, uh, like Thomas Aquinas and these other folks in the Christian tradition. But they always kind of had to footnote that. They they didn't quite want to say it, but they sort of did. I don't know if that's accurate, but like they had to yeah, defend it because they mean, knew they couldn't quite fully say it because it does. not everyone can be Mary or Mark. Which one is sure. which? I forget. There's one that sits at the foot of Jesus and one's in the kitchen. Right. Was, was, was Martha the paladin? <laughs> yes. The roller skating paladin. I picture like Game of Thrones. Who was a really tall female paladin? What was her name? Brie? Brie of something? Brie of Tar? She was awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's something of historical context, right? Because um, in order to be a contemplative, like 
someone else has to make your food. Like you can, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. and and unless you're a complete aesthetic and I I don't mean to downplay that at all um, in any way, but I also think I'm really, I'm highly influenced by the teachings of Parker Palmer. Um, I've been really lucky to study some with him and um, he addresses some of this as a paradox in his book. um, Oh, the active life, you know, that there's always this paradox between being in the world and doing the things and being a contemplative. And it's most generative if we can think of it as a both and Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to an either or. And I I feel like as we examine historical context with a with a lens toward access, um, you know, that that illuminates the truth of that even more. So even, right, I was just spent a week with some um, environmental writers. And so um, on the campus where I was at, we went to visit Robert Frost's uh, cabin where he would write during the summers and teach. And so, right, you're like, oh, wow, like Robert Frost, like did all these great things. And this is his like hermit cabin. But then you find out like, yeah, the the woman who lived down the road is the one who rang a bell and he would come and get his meals from her every day. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. right. So, so someone was doing the action Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's just an an equity of action. And I think that's a really cool part of the role play experience of games too. Um, You know, how do we role play with division of labor or division of even emotional labor? Um, Mm -hmm. How do we play with gender roles? How do we play with, pieces like that um i think probably um i think probably you know racial and ethnic identities are, are just too tender to do that well like we, we we may not have a great good enough vocabulary to do that well mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. now we would cause more harm mm-hmm. um you know but there are there are a lot of arenas where we can where we can put on those um clothes i have a good friend who, who um is a part of the drag acapella group, um, the Kinsey six, um, go check them out. Winnie from Kinsey six. Um, and was talking to her once about, um, just the idea of drag. Um, and she said, well, I mean, everyone puts on there. You put on your pastor drag to go like lead church on a Sunday, right? Like you put on this special garb to do this. And so as I began to think about that as a form of like role play or play, you know, that absolutely resonates. Let's put on, let's put on the drag of this particular type of um, identity for the course of this game, you know, that helps me grow in empathy, but not to exploit mm-hmm. it. I think that's when a game is at fun is when I'm playing with someone who's like trying to exploit an identity or using stereotypes about an identity mm-hmm. as a way to um, advance their gameplay. And that just winds up feeling gross to me. Yeah, but like a yeah. generous exploration that that feels really fun. I've thought that before too, that we're, I mean, yeah, we're, we're all like comment about the, 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 your friend who's, who is um, speaking about dragging that, that sense that we're all, we all wear costumes, you know, for our various, <laughs> for our various roles and things. costumes, maybe is the right word or not the right word. I don't know, but, but yes, you're right. I mean, yeah, for many years I put on this clergy, robe on sunday morning to you know for that for that whatever and uh in some ways even just you know khaki pants and a polo is a is a costume for for me you know just to um to to put on to put on a particular particular role um 
Yeah. And it challenges the notion, right, that khakis and a polo are a default, like that they are right. not a costume, right? right. Which is, right. Which is yeah. that accessibility piece that there's a normative and that there's not. Right. Um, right. You know, if this conversation is getting a little awkward uh, for a listener, you know, if you're not if you're not feeling as comfortable with us talking about a pastor as drag or pieces like that, um, just reminds me, like, awkwardness is a part of this game. And, right, you right. know, like, yeah, like awkwardness is it's why we start with a, a silly skit so that you guys know we're not taking ourselves too seriously. I assume that's part of why, you know, you're doing mm-hmm. the skits. Um <laughs> And leaning into the awkward is how we how we grow empathy in safe ways, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there's that fine line of like, how how do we do enough awkwardness that's palatable, um, you know, without it feeling unsafe? So, um, if if this feels a little awkward to you, know, like, I'm I'm not putting it out there to make you feel unsafe, but just an invitation to consideration. Mm-hmm. Well, as you've reminded me. Often, Chelsea, as you, you've wisely observed, I said before the show, everyone everyone's awkward inside, and I, I think that just finding ways to embrace that is right. That's so true. And we that. all play roles. We I, all I, play roles, and and that involves yeah. clothing. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you go the if you go to yeah. see Hamilton, you're probably going to dress up a little, and then all these people are up on stage, and they're going to be dressed up, and then everyone goes home and puts on their sweatpants, right? So, it's yeah. just yeah. part of human life. Speaking of of, of Chelsea, you mentioned kind of the protest or relationship to the spiritual aspects of accessibility mm-hmm. and gaming. Um, it just reminded me of um, people who've been listening to this for a while. Martin, I, I went to a play conference out in South Carolina a couple months ago. Um, the keynote speaker, Dr. Drew Lanham, um, he talked very much about this idea of play as a right. And I, and I think that kind of, mm. that, that in my mind, that makes a theological connection. You know, that if, if play is a, is a fundamental human, uh, is a fundamental part of the human experience and it's fundamentally part of what it means to be human. And also, Kevin, as you and I have talked about in past episodes, you know, if, if plays in some ways how we experience grace in life, um, then, you know, it's, yeah, it's this, it's this fundamental gift from God, you know, that, that, uh, that really is, is, deserves to be protected you know, for all people, um, he, Dr. Lanham talked about the story of, um, of a, a swimming pool, um, in South Carolina and after, uh, desegregation, um, the, the community there, primarily white community there, um, in recognition that this would be no desegregated pool, just, just went through a series of just, uh, um, you know, horrific, barriers that they put up, you know, to make this pool not, not accessible, including, including at one point, I think like putting tigers in it or something, just something, something, you know, awful. Um, but you know, it, he, he shared this example just to say, you know, that, um, that, that play is a right that people have, you know, died for, you know, fought, fought for and died for. And, and, and then it, 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 it's, it's that essential to what it means to be human, you know? Huh. Um, wow! And, and how I God, never thought of that. How God has made us to be people have fought and died, yeah. yeah. Or wanted to escape. So, it makes me think of war-torn areas, right? And that's the lack of normal. When you're in war, you don't get to play because you're probably surviving right. or dying, right? And so, yeah, that there right. are children right. in places that are suffering because they can't have, and adults. Yes. Have you all ever seen the movie Life Is Beautiful? Yes came out many years you know 
that is a theme of that movie that has haunted right. me. Uh, and that I know was a subject of debate. And I, I don't know, and I'm not going to say, I, I, I just, those who may not have heard it, I'll just put it out there and I'm not necessarily weighing it one way or the other. But this idea was it's, it's a fictional story of a Jewish family from Italy and uh, during World War II. And, um, and for, you know, and, and much of the family was taking off to, to concentration camps where they, were, where they were killed. The father and the son, and the son was like four years old, four or five years old, somehow managed to hide for much of the, of the war. And the, the father was continually forming the son, teaching the son that, that this was a grand game, that this, you know, that he needed to, that the guards were, were part of the game and he just needed to, to hide from the guards and, oh, we're getting more victory points because we're hiding from the guards today. And, oh, you know, and all this. And, um, you know, and some folks see that movie and say, this is just, you know, it's beautiful. It's this idea of trying to find a way to find play and game, even in the most nightmarish situations. Others, you know, have seen that movie and been, you know, find it offensive and, and really awful. It's interesting. I, I talked to my, my, uh, my cousins who are German about that movie and, and they, you know, they were deeply bothered by it because, huh. and offended by it because they, they, they in no way want the Nazi history of their country to be trivial. You know, they're, they're, they're very ashamed of that and embarrassed of that, you know, and, and, and they don't want it to ever be made trivial, trivial, you know, or mm -hmm. made, and they always want to keep in mind the horror of that and never forget that. So, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that, but I don't. I, either of you all have any? I, yeah. I just I I I I, I picked that out of the air. I know you weren't ready for that. But is that something either of you have reflections on? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it it highlights. You know, one of the challenges around this idea of play is that it is trivial. That it cannot mm -hmm. be um, uh, sublime that it cannot be um, solemn. And, you know, I think, I think play can actually be protest, you know, because to trivialize play as, or to, to characterize play as trivial kind of says, if it's not advancing your own game of life, if it's not advancing you know, some other purpose because play is, is, is deep presence, right? It's not mm -hmm. thinking about the future. It's not really mm -hmm. thinking about mm -hmm. the past in a really conscious way. You know, it can be ways of processing the past mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. perhaps projecting into the future, but not in a strategic way. Like I'm not thinking about when I'm, you know, playing, putting, you know, cosplaying as right. Like a, um, ecological space corporation, right. In a game, I'm not really making a strategic move about like, that is what I'm going to do in my future. Um, so not making strategic plans. What education do I need to get to do there? What job do I need to get to do there? Um, I'm not getting paid to do that either. And so, you know, how, how much of what we think is trivial is because we don't get paid for it or we don't advance in status mm -hmm. hierarchy. Yeah. Right. So play yeah as a protest against, against essentially hierarchy in general, um, it is important. And yet it's, it's really easy to resist that because it, um, 
it also doesn't do the active work of dismantling, right? Um, so it is that contemplative, active mm-hmm, piece. Mm-hmm, um, but mm-hmm. what resources can we gather from gameplay to dismantle, right? So what does what does playfulness layer into a story about, right, horrific, if told from the perspective of the people who <laughs> right. Right, right. can engage play? Um, right, right. You know, there's, there's a perspective piece there but i think jojo rabbit is another. i was just thinking about that that, too yeah yeah yeah. yes Yes. oh that movie yes same more kevin that's right yeah what are your thoughts kevin oh no just that i I, play is a way of survival i i would think i mean Mm -hmm. i i have i've been very fortunate not have suffered these sorts of things but i I would think if you're in a certain situation say you're even in solitary confinement like uh, playing some sort of a game might help right like whether you're counting the bricks in the wall or whatever or or getting through desperate situations um i would think but again i'm having to imagine because i've been pretty fortunate well the theological link i make with play i think you know you're naming grace um you're naming you know birthright gifts i think the theological link i make is with creativity mm-hmm. and like what what is more uh, a, a divine gift to humanity than creativity um and where does inspiration for you know imagining new ways of being together as well as um imagining how we might um dismantle what doesn't function about the old mm-hmm. it comes from creativity right so so nurturing that spark i like that i think is an essential task yeah mm-hmm. Well, what games do, do we want to segue to picking up some mechanisms yeah. or did you want to say something, Daniel? Nope. Nope. That's great. I, Kevin, sure. I saw you. I saw you inhale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because Chelsea has, has, uh, has observed in the past and she, she's right that that's how that's Daniel's form of interrupting is, is, is inhaling. <laughs> It's the humblest right. form. It's the it's the Mennonite interruption. Right, right. That's right. Um, pardon me, I'm going to inhale now. And I can say that because I got a Mennonite background. I'm not, I I wouldn't say that if I didn't have a connection to the Mennonite Church. But yes, yes, it's that. Uh, but no, I, I wasn't meaning to interrupt. That was just more of a uh, uh, an, uh, necessary part of mammalian existence. That's right. It, it was just it was just reoxygenating myself. Yeah, thank you. It was it was inspiration. Yeah, we're getting into punnery you know, now. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good. Well, yes, Kevin, you were go- you were going to ask something. Well, one thing we might uh, do is name some experiences or mechanisms that we think were especially welcoming, at least in our lives. In terms of board games, yeah, yeah. and one that blew my mind, and I think many other people's minds, is a game that where you're not playing against each other, but you're playing against the board. And it's got a sort of mm-hmm. global element, and I'm thinking about the game Pandemic, because yeah, mm-hmm. um, all the cities are of equal value, and you're even learning geography, and you're working together, and there is this real sense of like, at least for me when I've played it like especially some of the expansions you're like oh my gosh we've got to save the world and then when you do you feel really good and there's there's not winners and losers except for everybody and and it's a great yeah, but it's still yeah. a great experience there's still a sense of accomplishment 
Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, that's a game I think that's very welcoming and um, yeah, and it's pretty yeah, it's pretty open to anyone. That's great. That that's a great example. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The the idea of a cooperative game really opens up whole whole new spaces of accessibility. I think that that um, are are not quite as easy to achieve in in competitive games. I love that. Yeah. yeah. What are some of yours? Thank you know, I, I I I'm I'm. I'm grateful to both of you for, you know, for lifting up that, you know, we are so much, um, the products of our, of our, of our own place in life, you know, demographically. And, and, um, I, I, one issue I just want to lightly touch on is, you know, we did this when we talked to Ali too, this issue of representation in game. And I, I think as a, you know, middle-class middle-aged white male, you know, that's, that's, I, I realize I've got a, I have a very skewed perspective on that, but that's just something I've become more aware of and have appreciated designers becoming, when they seem to be aware of that as well, just representation, you know, that when you're trying to represent humanity in a game, it's, it, it seems like it's a one act of awareness to represent that humanity does not look all the same, you know, um, and act all the same. But I guess a specific issue is we had, that I thought of, we had a board game group, um, at at um, at my previous church, we got one at our, our current church as well. Um, and one of our members of 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 of, of our board game group, um, she was uh, born with a, a physical condition that made it very difficult for her to control a lot of fine motor skills, and also to to to, to verbalize, to communicate verbally. I mean, verbalized through a computer screen and was was in a in a in a in a mechanical wheelchair. She had a, has a helper, and uh, but she really wanted to be involved in the board group, which was awesome. And you know, one game we we found was was really uh, that she really enjoyed and that she liked a lot was is this game, just a simple game where every turn your decision is yes or no. You know, I'm I'm want to want to want to do this or not do this, and it was it was no thanks, which is this really old kind of hobby board game one of the first ones uh, card games from from germany in the kind of modern era but it was um i i love the ability of that game to boil down meaningful decisions and, and strategic decisions to a simple decision of yes or no each turn you know am i going to take this card or am i not um and and um and that was something that she was able to participate fully in and wonderfully in. and it was it was I, I always remember that as a, as a great joy of my gaming experiences hmm. so anyway that's one thing that comes to my mind so, Chelsea how about you yeah so um, yeah I think I think about this in a lot of different ways there's a couple games that just have felt really accessible to the way that my brain works so I'm just going to put those out in terms of Mechanics that I can pick up quickly, um, which help me feel like I can really enter into gameplay quickly. And that I, I, that's um, not common for me in board games. Um, so is is remarkable enough to mention. Um, and most of the Azul games um, mm-hmm. are really appealing to the way my brain works because I can use color and pattern as opposed to words or symbologies that I have mm. to sort of translate. Um, and so those, those are really fun experiences where I can, I feel like I can really get into the gameplay 
um, pretty deeply. Another great one, and I know in ADHD gaming community, this is really popular, um, is the game A Gentle Rain. Um, you can play it solo or cooperative, and it's sort of like a pattern-building, tile-laying game, but it is the most like chill, low-stress experience um, that you can you can have. And I know some people use it as like a, a cognitive reset or a neurological reset, um, you know, between between tasks. Hmm. Um, I think, I think more for me though, like I, I've been thinking about specific games, but it's really been, as, as we're talking more, the, what, what's made games accessible is having people who are willing to, you know, take my needs seriously to make room for me to say, I, this doesn't make sense to me. So can we buddy up as mm-hmm. I learn this game so that you're helping to teach me as we do this? Um, you know, in a neurological sense, or, you know, if there are problematic elements of a game to be able to, to feel like I have a buddy in naming those and holding those in the game play space. So, um, you know, as a a queer and non-binary person, um, that's not always like super represented in a lot of um, gameplay, mm-hmm. um, you know, but to be able to name like, oh my gosh, could they make these characters any more like hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine, <laughs> you know? And so to be able to name that around the table and have it be held yeah. um, even helps with problematic um, games or games where that those identities don't feel as welcome or I can't sort of cast myself in those games as well. Which kind of just brings up another question we didn't really talk about, but like, what what would you yearn for um, in a game? Like, what would what would what sort of accessibility mechanism might you yearn for? Hmm. Um, you know, in a game that were to be made in the future. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. a big one for me is just like, please include gender queer, androgynous, less binary, gendered characters. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, options as play. I think there's some ways of doing that, but I'm thinking of Charterstone. My, my group played um, a legacy Charterstone game together and, um, but that handled it as like cartoons. So like it, it infantilized those um, that, that, um, you know, non-binariness a little bit. And so, um, you know, that, that wasn't harmful, but I'd, I'd long for some of that in reality. And I think, yeah. I think, um, is uh what's the wine game viticulture Not, viticulture i think viticulture's um i think there may be an expansion coming where it's I've not like that. the the moms and the mothers and fathers that it's like that there's a little bit more um diversity in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know i think i think a part of it is just who are we inviting to have that conversation and who who is who has the voice to speak into that space about what they long for in games. That's what will really make things accessible. Right. right. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so great. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. It's, it's been wonderful. Um, we're so thankful for your being a part of this and looking forward to it for a long time and, and uh, hope you'll be back. And uh, I, I think this is a, as you both have said, a rich conversation that can take a lot more exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea, folks want to find you online. What are different ways that people could connect with you? Yes, I'm on the internet. Um, so on social media, 
you can find me at at amateur efforts, A-M-A-T-E-U-R efforts, not immature efforts, amateur <laughs> efforts. So I'm on the tweets. I, I don't do buddy tweets and the Instagrams. I mean, you can find me on Facebook too. Just look up um, Chelsea Hillier. And then my website is um, amateureffortscom um, you can always email me at chelsea at amateureffortscom And I just I love talking to people. So yeah. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, I encourage folks. Yeah, if, if you're uh, at all interested, please reach out to, to Chelsea at one of, those, one of those places and and um, you will be glad you did. Yeah, can um, I make a brief plug? Um, yeah. I have an article that's being published in a great magazine called The New Territory Magazine. Mm. focuses mm. on stories of the lower Midwest. And if you remember um, – Chris Gaines's late 1990s alter, I'm sorry, Garth Brooks's late 1990s alter ego, Chris Gaines. Yes, I always thought that was um, so cool. Yeah. Right? Like, I am exploring uh, Chris Gaines and uh, Midwestern queer identity, like you do, um, in that article. So, highly recommend checking out um, the New Territory magazine. I'll be in this latest issue. You'll have a link to so that cool. on your website, so I cool. bet. Okay. Yes. Congratulations. That's Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you. And Kevin, speaking of website, how, how can people connect to us? Boardgamefaith.com. Boardgamefaith.com. Thanks to Kevin. You, dot com. You, dot com. Boardgamefaith.com. Sunday, Sunday, you Sunday, it, Sunday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Saturday. <laughs> Boardgamefaith.com. <laughs> I liked it. You can get your, get your T-shirts, get your clappers. <laughs> I like the fight so much. I bought the company. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. You got our. You got our. Our, our website running. So thank. Uh, since the last episode, Kevin. So thank you so much. Button. You're really welcome. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I. I no, you figured it out when I couldn't. Thank you. And uh, also, as as we're also on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter, and people can mm-hmm. email us. MySpace. At, we got MySpace. Um, MySpace. Oh, nice. We do. We um, we are um, you can you can go out to your local Seven Eleven and mm-hmm. shout for us. And, I hear um, the new place to be is GeoCities. GeoCities We should you, that, that'll be next is week. That still around? Week. I gotta go look. Okay. Go look. Yeah, one of my um, friends had like an old band site that he sent me. And I was like, this still exists. I was like, this is magic. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll, we'll have to look into GeoCities. It goes to Yahoo. It yeah. goes to Yahoo. Oh, okay. Okay. You're just looking into it? Yeah, I just typed in geocities.com. It goes straight to Yahoo. Okay. Okay. Gosh. It's all cool. connected. Weird. And uh, next week is and, uh, winning the point. Yeah, I'm really excited about that next episode. Is it ties in a lot with what we were talking about this mm-hmm. morning, but uh, but uh, uh, or this afternoon, wherever you're listening to it. But it, an episode dedicated that asks the question: Is winning the point? Is winning the point? Um, so yeah, I think that's all I've got. It, Kevin, Chelsea, anything else? You know, my skate rental is up. I did, I gotta return my. My size eights. Yeah. And now you have to treat Shell this them. toe fungus too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to climb back up in the bell and uh, hit it with my head. So, um, <laughs> and then, and then, if you see me later on, you can say, 
who is that guy? His face sure rings a bell. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. No. Is this window oh. high enough for me to throw myself out and die quickly? I've oh, got to. This is awful. That was. Right. I'm so pleased. Like, how long have you been sitting on that? Has it been the whole time? <laughs> 50 years, actually. 50 years he's been Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Just, right. congr- you know, I'm going to give you a slow clap for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it didn't work. Oh, no. The lights didn't work. Uh, oh. Well, um, yeah. Thank you. Above all, thank you so much to you who are listening. Uh, this would not be possible without you. We really do want to hear from you love hearing from you please share your thoughts on accessibility and games if any of the stuff resonated with you or you have any questions or other insights or thoughts um yeah um info at boardgamefaith.com or boardgamefaith at gmail.com um or instagram or any of those ways to get a hold of us but we, we you matter so much to us and we're so thankful for you you are a part of this online community so thank you thank you everybody bye bye bye